Hello there. Happy Thursday. This is Hal Aaron Cohen, and uh, today is Thursday, April 4th, and you're listening to Tales of the Road Warriors. Today uh, we're talking with uh, Tony Gamble. I was originally going to uh, have an episode with uh, Andy Kahn of the Turtles. I promised a couple people I would, but I'm going to do it next week instead because I talked to Tony back in January, and this has been on the back burner. It's one of my very first conversations since I started the Tales of the Road Warrior podcast. So a little about Tony. Uh, Tony Gamble and I go way back. He used to come into the Chimney Sweep Lounge in Sherman Oaks, California on Sunday nights when I had my open mic nights. This was even before the 1994 Northridge Quake, so we've known each other at least that long. He comes sit in, play some guitar, try out some of his originals, and uh, on other nights of the week, we'd often just hang out at the Chimney Sweep and get shit-faced. So uh, anyway, I have a big box of pictures from those days, so I was able to include a couple of Tony and me on the uh, page with the show notes. So check it out. That, that'll be um, talesoftheroadwarriors.com slash Tony dash Gamble. Uh, anyway, a couple of years ago, Tony was diagnosed with a uh, uh, prothrombin factor two, which is a rare blood clotting disorder. And uh, he went into a little detail about it. And uh, so we discussed our, uh, you know, our diseases. Uh, I had the cancer. He had the blood clot. Anyway, I included a link to an organization called Stop the Clot, in case you'd like to learn more about it or maybe contribute to finding a cure. And that, again, it's on the show notes page, and uh, I hope you'll check that out. Tony first became known for his chops on the guitar. He's what's known as a shredder. He, he's a guitarist with impeccable skills and playing speed. He taught guitar, he wrote guitar instruction books, toured with rock bands throughout the world, and unfortunately, Tony didn't really want to talk about some of the more decadent period of his rock and roll life, which would have made for great podcast fodder. However, as a friend, I didn't want to press him to talk about those days. We mostly talked about uh, what Tony has been doing lately, which is writing and recording new material for his latest project, and it's an as yet untitled but soon-to-be-released album of original ukulele music for Warner Brothers Latin Division. The latest project has ignited new passion in Tony, and he's very excited to talk about his latest creation. Now, this is Tales of the Road Warrior, so I, what I can do is I can give you a link to where you can read about some of Tony's uh, exploits for yourself in his own words. There's a link to uh, a site called RAR Writer. I guess it's Rock and Roll Writer. Uh, and the uh, link will take you there. It's quite an interesting read, and uh, we alluded to it briefly in the conversation. Yeah, L.A. in the 90s. Good times. Anyway, let's, uh, let's get into it with uh, Tony. Hey, Tone, little ukulele music, please. Tony Gamble. That's me. Yeah, how you been, man? Yeah, good. It's been a long time, man. I've been back in Philly since 2005, so I haven't been to the sweep in that long. Uh, 2005, yeah, and I kind of stopped going there for a bunch of years and then started going there again around, I don't know, I want to say 2013, 2000, 2012 maybe. Okay. But I, I don't really go there at nighttime, I only really just go there for coffee. Yeah, did you quit drinking? No. I, no? I mean... I drink beer. I mean, I don't drink hard alcohol anymore. Beer. Yeah, I, I, I still drink, but uh, I cut down considerably. My body just told me, hey, Hal, you got to stop now. So Yeah. yeah, I had yeah the, go ahead. I went through the cancer thing, so when I came out the other side of that, I just really didn't want beer. Yeah, yeah. See, I, I got sick as well, and they told me I have to quit drinking altogether. And I, they said, well, if you're going to drink, just have a couple beers. It's pretty much what I do now. You know? Yeah, I, I think, you know, anything in moderation is okay. But so how how are you? I mean, what's the story? We almost lost you this summer, I think. Uh, it was 2011 through through currently, you know, current. It's, uh, and I was, uh, I got diag- I got this rare blood disorder, you know. Yeah. Um, so 
what it was was I was in I had gotten sick of LA and I moved to Texas in 2011. I remember. And, and uh, I used to just sit out on my patio on my iPad all day, and you know I stood up one day and and I got this huge cramp in my leg, and I thought it was actually. Um, a pinched nerve in my back because I have a bad back as well, you know, so I didn't think too much of it other than I have this cramp in my leg, you know, and it was pretty intense and it didn't go away. I mean, like it was a month, I, you know, which essentially I should have gone to the hospital right then and there, but I didn't, you know, right? because um, again, I thought it was a pinched nerve or something and, and the, the, the cramp just was getting worse and worse and then finally it went away, but then my leg swelled up and turned purple and that's when it was like, well, maybe I should go get it checked out and then I did and you know, then I was in the hospital for two weeks, and they, they were basically basically said, you know what, um, yeah, we don't think you're going to be making it out. Do you want to see a, a priest or a clergyman all that kind of stuff? <laughs> I was like, I ain't going anywhere. I'll be all right. And they're like, yeah, you've got a good attitude. So that was it, yeah. So they found, what they did is they found a whole bunch of blood clots in my legs. So. Is um, there um... – What's the name of it? Is like there a research for this particular disease, a, a charity or an organization yeah. that people can contribute to to help find yeah, a it's, cure? It's, a, it's basically called prothrombin, prothrombin factor 2 is what I have. It's like there's different factors. They're called factors, and there's different factors. There's, you know, factor 5 and whatever. And I just happen to have factor 2, which is actually really rare. Um, and um, it's just it's a, it's a blood clotting disorder you know what i mean so um you know I, it's there you know it's one of those things they put a ibc filter in my chest which is still there but it was only supposed to be there for three months and it's been there now for about six years and uh it's one of those ones that uh they've they're known to be faulty so you know so yeah every day is just kind of a blessing i guess you know yeah, believe me, I know. Having gone through the cancer, I I can relate. Um, but let's talk about the music because I, I had an interesting thought about you. Um, most uh, most people in in you know, rockers that I know of started out as a little kid on a ukulele and worked their way up to like you know uh, shredding, and you went uh -huh. in reverse. You're like I always thought of you as a shredder when I met you, and now you're playing the ukulele for money. Uh yeah it, and doing I, well yeah i mean i don't it's it's weird yeah i i uh how i got into it was pretty weird i mean i got my first ukulele when i was a kid right around the same time when i got a guitar you know when i was about eight eight years old uh -huh. um but i didn't think too much of too much of it until the early 2000s and a friend of mine uh from warner brothers um, I went to a uh, barbecue at his house, and he goes, dude, i got to show you this ukulele player, man. And I'm like, ukulele, what? You know? And uh, that's when he showed me that Jake Shimabukuro. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, you know, and I was like, and that was that was way back then before Jake really became, you know, as big as he is now, too, you know? So I, I said to Chris, because I'd known him for a long time, I go, wouldn't it be funny if I got a ukulele and actually did something with it? And he just kind of gave me that look. He goes, well, if anyone could do it, it would probably be you, you know? Right. So, um so I didn't really know much about ukuleles, you know, about the different types, you know, uh, soprano, concert, you know, tenor, things like that. So I took it as like a bet to see if I could do something with it. And I bought a ukulele for like 75 bucks. But any, you know, it, I don't know, I wanted to sound snobby or anything, but any real musician who plays knows a good quality instrument, you know what I mean, from a bad quality instrument. Mine's and, medium. Mine's in the middle. It's a, it's a mid-level uh, Lanakai. It's, we, we yeah, okay. it's got built-in pickups and the works. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't yeah, get it from the but, island. Like you went to Hawaii and got yours, right? Yeah. What happened was then. So I decided I needed to get something a little better, but I didn't want to spend you know two thousand dollars on a ukulele. So I then had like that little light bulb that appeared above my head, and I thought, well, what if I tell them you know kind of who I am and what I've done. And I send them an email and try to get an endorsement. Maybe if they give me like an artist discount, I can, you know, I'll, I'll do that. But so I did. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, they called me and they just said, oh, we don't give artist discounts. We just, you know, we support our artists and we give them to you. you know? So next thing you know, they got to give me a couple of free ukuleles. And then um, and then I had to really do something. And, and it was weird because I didn't know what I was going to do. I really couldn't play the instrument all that well, except I could 
I could shred on it, and that's just because I was a guitar player, man. So I recorded a song, and I put it up on MySpace, if you remember MySpace. I sure and, do. I was yeah. actually looking at the old MySpace page earlier, but there's not much there. Yeah. So I, uh, what I did was I recorded something, posted it up on MySpace, and I got like 10,000 hits in like three days. And then uh, that got the attention of uh, record labels and shit like that. And so, and then I got an agent, and then I got a tour booked in Hawaii, and then all of a sudden it was like this whole whirlwind thing, you know? It was like on NBC morning show and uh, CNBC, a lot of TV and radio shit. So it was, it was cool. Well, I did it, but... Yep, the resurgence but, of Tony Gamble. Uh, kind of. It was weird, but although I got the deal that I have now... Um, it's primarily for, you know, flamenco Spanish guitar, but they also want some new ukulele stuff too. So it's a combination. I haven't played the ukulele in a while. I've just been working on guitar stuff. So, so they made but, you actually work. Mm, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, when I did my first flamenco record and I say flamenco, it's not really true flamenco. They, the label calls it flamenco fusion because, uh, for one, when I'm playing solo stuff, I use a pick. Um, plus I throw different chords in there other than your standard, you know, Latin flamenco type stuff. But, um, but I put that record out a year and a half ago and that's the one that got the attention of the former, pre former president of Warner, uh, Warner brothers, uh, Latin division. So, so when you sign the deal, yeah, you, you've got to be a little bit more serious about it than when you're just, you know, putting something out for the hell of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They don't let you phone it, phone it in. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of, but that's you know, good. I mean, you you, you know, kind of you kind of like need that kick in the ass to, so so that you you do um, you know rise rise a little bit above the rest of the fray. Yeah, you know, it's a little frustrating because you know sometimes I just go, ah, man, you know, it's like you get frustrated. I get frustrated with practicing, you know, because you know it's uh, you know sometimes when I practice using a metronome, working on scales, which you know as long as I've been playing, you know, it's like still kind of an essential part of you know working on scales you know what i mean always got to get especially with that type of music you know mm -hmm. but some, sometimes i think i'm going the wrong direction when i'm practicing i go you know i'm not i'm, I'm getting worse <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> it's, it's like so it can get frustrating you know it's it, but it's all part of it man i don't i don't, I don't know any musician who who just is completely 100 percent happy with what they do you know what i mean yeah um, i could tell you stories of my own in fact one of yeah. the reasons I started the podcast is I thought, you know, I have so many stories to tell, but if I just sit here week after week telling my stories, like people are like, well, who is this guy? I don't, but I thought, why don't I, you know, I have so many friends with, with talent. They're out on the road for real doing it, you know, every day, including myself. Yeah. And I thought if I just engage in conversations, my stories will eventually come out. Their stories will come out and, and we'll have something like really important here. Yeah, I mean, I wish you luck with it. I hope it, I hope everything goes well with it, you know? Yeah, me too. Uh, so let's get, let's get to roll back the time to, well, I met you, and I guess maybe it was around 95 or so. It could have, yeah, I mean, that's... Because the, the, Northridge, the Northridge quake was in 94, and I remember yeah. walking into the Chimney Sweep Lounge where I was, I was bartending, I was hosting the showcase, and doing yeah. the music everything was going smoothly and all of a sudden the all of sherman oaks moved away because the earthquake just spooked them yeah you know that was that was that, that was the good thing about the earthquake i hate to say it because it was like it did so many people i mean i was living in sherman oaks at the time too you know and uh when we had that earthquake as, as damaging as it was and as devastating as it was a lot of people moved back home which which you know, I hate to say it, L.A. is too full, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it separated the men from the boys. And yeah, that's for sure. you know, and that's, that's what, how I started going into the sweep was, was uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, we used to go to Pineapple Hill. Um, and once the earthquake happened, Pineapple Hill was shut for uh, about a week or maybe two weeks. I don't know. I can't remember. So we ended up going, starting to go to the chimney sweep, you know? Yeah, well, so. we were closed for a couple of weeks immediately after the quake, too. I remember just standing standing there with Jerry, the bartender, yeah. staring at the broken bottles on behind the bar, and the TVs are all hanging by their cords. And we just stared at the broken glass for about 45 minutes to an hour without no one moved a muscle. 
And yeah. I think I was actually the first one to start picking shit up. I just went, okay, let's do this. And then Jerry climbed, Jerry's the bartender. He climbed through the uh, yeah. window of what's the uh, little store, the little market there, Dale's, Dale's Jr. Yeah. He climbed through the window and went and brought a whole bunch. He like left, he made a list of what he took because they were obviously closed too. Their windows were smashed open. Yeah. So he went and bought a whole bu- brought a whole bunch of stuff and fed us all. And some somebody I think might have been Millie made some coffee, and I brought a pot of coffee down. And we just sort of like yeah. had a little kind of was like a a picnic inside the place while we all cleaned it up. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. You know the scary thing about that is too is you know prior to that earthquake we used to have like. You know, an earthquake that, that was that you would talk about, you know what I mean? Like, one, at least, like, once a year, they would go, did you feel that? That was pretty crazy. I thought it was going to, you know. And ever since then, we've only had minor little ones that have not, you know, nothing to talk about, so to speak, you know. And it's kind of scary because I was on the news just the other night. Where are you at? You're in Pennsylvania? Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, just the other night they were talking about, because there was that, that um, big earthquake in Anchorage, right? So... They're they're talking, of course, not if but when in LA, you know. Right. And it's like it's it's true because we haven't really had anything um, that's sort of been notable and uh, and really since that that quake uh, in '94, you know. So what led you to when I met you at the chimney sweep? You had just I think come off the road. You uh, um like I I didn't know what really um you did prior to that. I, I know you were in like a band. You yeah. were a guitar featured in Guitar Player magazine. What um, led up to that? Uh, you know, honestly, man, it was so long ago. I I don't really remember a lot of the things that I've done, so to speak, and probably a lot to do with how much I used to drink and all that stuff. But um, I went to Europe right after the earthquake. That's right. Um, uh, I don't know how soon after. I, I, I couldn't give you really time frames of it and whatever, and I was in a band out there. But I don't want to mention the name because I really didn't like the band and I didn't really like the people in the band. Okay, um, we won't promote was, them, though. So um, I, I, I'm i still friends with the singer, believe it or not, but that's that's a whole other thing. But everyone else in the band, it was just like, uh, you know, oil and vinegar or oil and water, whatever you call it, right? Yeah, um, oil so, and water. But, I, yeah, so I was touring out in Europe, and I was I was there for about four months, and then um, was that the I band remember, that uh, where you were first noticed by the guitar player? Or did that that come about when you did the acoustic thing? No, that was that was sometime around back then. I was I was getting a lot of stuff written up in in Europe, you know, being like a, a hired gun guy and. A, um, and Shredder, you know, yeah. it was like one of those things. And I you had the hair and the bandana. Yeah, I, yeah, I had the hair and the bandana, but I was doing a lot of instrumental stuff as well. I mean, I was I was a hired gun for bands, but I was doing instrumental stuff, so that was getting noticed by like um, guitar players and and you know people that are into that shred style of music, you know. Um, and I think by the time I come back and I started doing a bunch of stuff. Um, for a record label as a session guy, I was kind of getting away from the shred stuff, but then um, I got asked to do, I don't know if you know who Jason Becker is. Uh, okay, so Jason Becker is a guitar player that was like a phenomenal, like phenomenal, like the guy that I looked up to, and funny enough, he's, he's younger than I am, but he he replaced Steve Vai in uh, David Lee Roth's band when that oh, okay, that, and that's where I heard the name, because... Um... Yeah, but then he got ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, yeah? Right. And so, he he's still alive, um, but he's he can't talk. He, he talks, he communicates through, like, this blinking of eyes, and he's on a tracheotomy thing, that's how he breathes, it's oh pretty sad. But, did, Jason, but, did Jason Becker put out an album of his own? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a he's he's got a few albums. Two, yeah, I I think I have one. He's he's really good, really good. He's, he's phenomenal. So what happened was I was I was kind of getting away from the instrumental stuff, but the record label this uh, I can't remember the name of the label um, asked you know like Steve Vai, Marty Friedman, Paul Gilbert, all these shredder guys if they would contribute to this record called Warmth in the Wilderness, which was going to be the proceeds was going to be 
to Jason Becker, you know? Right. And they asked me to do it as well. So I said, you know what, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going to play on a record with Steve Vai. I'm down with that, you know? Um, and, I mean, I didn't play with Steve Vai. I mean, he did a track on the record or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean, but you were involved in the same project with him, and it was for a very worthy cause. Yeah, so that's so that also kind of put me out in that for, not forefront, I would say, but as a shredder guy, and I was kind of really veering away from that because I just didn't want to be known as a technical guitar player because I was, you know, I, I thought of myself really as just an overall, you know, player and you know, musician, not just a shredder guy. And, right. um, and I was way more into blues anyway than I was ever into, you know, like Yngwie Malmsteen or Steve I, you know, I mean, but, uh, um, so, I mean, that's kind of what happened, you know, I just, that's, that kind of put me out there for a little bit, but then I just lost interest in doing guitar records, you know what I mean? Yeah. So then when did you get the, um, the urge to start going acoustic? Because you went through um, an acoustic period and, and you were pretty, you had pretty, yeah. put some nice stuff out then too. Yeah, the, that was the, the singing acoustic stuff. I, I still love doing that, but I don't, I don't as often as I, I should but I um and again I was at uh, I was working with one of the A&R guys from Warner Brothers and I had met this chick we're still friends actually um, and she worked at Geffen and she was an a, worked in the A&R department at Geffen Records and I said to her I said oh you know I'm, I'm writing some acoustic stuff because I really want to go simplify everything kind of you know, just I really want to write good songs. They don't have to be. It, it's really just three, four chord songs. You know what I mean? I wanted to write hooky songs, and I, I invited this chick over to my house um, to to play some of the songs I'd been writing. It was the first time I really started writing lyrics, and then I had some vocal melodies, and then I sang her some of my vocal melodies, and she goes, "So what are you gonna do?" I said, "I gotta find a singer," and she goes, "No, you don't. You're you're gonna sing." Right. So funny enough, I just talked to her a couple of weeks ago and she reminded me of that. It was it was it was an AR chick at Geffen Records that convinced me to be a singer. <laughs> you know? wow. And that's and that's what happened. And then um, I started recording some demos and I recorded a CD um, and I gave it to a friend of mine who was in the business, but not for that purpose. I don't ever really do hey, man, check out my stuff, you know. And next thing you know, man, my, my first gig as an acoustic singer-songwriter was in Las Vegas opening for uh, Mr. Big. Um, so, Wayne Newton. And, it was, uh, and they started playing my shit on the radio. I was on, like, became the number, I was the number two or three most requested artist of 2002 on Comp 92.3 in Las Vegas. So wait, wait, Mr. Big, the name of the actor, are you talking about Wayne Newton? Wayne Newton? Yeah, well, I, I always thought of him as Mr. Big in Las Vegas, but I, is there a like a band called Mr. Big? Yeah, they had a song back in the day called I'm the one who wants to be with you. And I can't sing right now because I haven't been... But, but they, was, they were a rock band, but they were like big in the 90s, you know? It was Paul Gilbert was the guitar player, Billy Sheehan was the bass player. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and... Uh, I remember now, because you said Mr. Big, and at first I thought you were referring to Wayne Newton, like I opened for Wayne Newton, Mr. Big. But then, uh, uh, then I re remember Mr. Big was a, a, a band, and when you... Yeah, Billy Sheehan, right, bass player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, and then... Yeah, it went on from there, man. It was like, it was kind of... It was fun, you know? I mean, yeah. I, had a, I, had a, I had a... I had a good time doing it. I mean... I, I, you know, I got to play a lot of shows, you know? Yeah. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the wild days in Encino, or should we leave that alone? Cause... Yeah, we should probably leave that alone. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I may make a reference to it uh, if people want to like read about that, uh, but I'm not going to make you talk about there it. Was a, there was a book that came out about that whole thing, an actual book. The Valhalla one? Did you ever write that? Huh? The Valhalla, what, I forget the exact yeah, title. Yeah, Valhalla of Did... Decadence. Um, but... The, and I don't want to mention the name of the person of the book because it, it's it's kind of a sore subject with me. But okay. but his his book came out in 2012, and I guess it was a New York bestseller book. I don't you know. But I I hesitated to buy it, but I did buy it. Um, and I read it, but it just it it was crazy because it's something that you would see in a movie, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know all the all all the people, all the players. You know? Yeah, Tony knows so. all the players. Well, you know what? Like I said, uh, when I when I uh, edit this, I might talk about uh, you know those. If anybody wants to learn about that, they can go to the RAR 
song um, or our song page because that's all in I, your own words that you know what that was a i don't know um anyone from that publication um how did they get all that stuff then they just it like, was uh, it from you what had happened was that specific publication they did an initial article on me um well before that before that um that one that you probably saw, they did another article on me as a guitar player session guy in LA. Um, and then uh, I think what had happened was the editor, whoever does that thing, had sent me an email. I saw us, you know, going to get this thing, trying to get this published and whatever. And I sent it to them and then they published that. You know what I mean? So it was like, I said it was okay if they did. I, you know, I kind of almost wish they didn't, but they did. <laughs> well, at least it proves that you, you know, you do have a colorful life and some great stories, and 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 you you are a true road warrior in every sense of the word. So, let yeah. me ask you this: what 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 do you you know? What would you like to talk about now? Anything you're pushing, that, or uh, you know, any well, names you want to drop or, or projects you want to talk about? coming up um yeah i mean i just got signed to uh, a latin publishing deal so i mean i that's uh you know so i'm working on a new record as we speak you know i mean uh, i just started recording a couple days ago um cool does uh, it have a name yet or, or that you're still in the baby stage well i don't know the name of the record i i haven't thought about that but i mean it's just, it's me just tony gamble but it's you know i mean i'm doing the instrumental uh you know, flamenco fusion guitar stuff, you know? Yeah. So, um, and I, like I said, I, I just signed to a pretty big publishing company, publishing deal. So, uh, from the former president of Warner Brothers uh, Latin division. So, um, working on, you know, that kind of stuff right now. So, uh, initially what they did was they took the record I did a year and a half ago. That record's called City of Angels, which... Essentially, um, you know, I had I, never done a flamenco style acoustic record instrumental, and I kind of always wanted to, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to do it, and I kind of threw it together. I didn't really put too much into it, um, but that's what got me the deal, so um, so they, they've taken those songs, and they've added it to their publishing uh, library, and... So I'm doing, they, they need new songs for that as well, which I'm working on. But then I've got a really good deal with publishing. It's like I've got to keep my own, uh, I own my masters. I own the copyrights. You know, I've got about the best possible deal you could ever get in the music industry at the moment. So that's kind of a dream come true for me because it's one of those things that I don't have to go out and tour. And, uh, you know, I can, I can just record, you know. Um, the Holy Grail. Well, hopefully we'll see. But um, in the meantime, I, I said to uh, the, I work with the president of the company, and um, I said to him, I go, well, look, man, if I'm going to be writing these new tunes, I might as well put out another record. And I, I said, since I signed a deal, just you know, basically as publishing, music publishing, would, you know, would I go through your label or you know, do it independently? And he's like, he goes, dude, you, you, you own it. You can, you can go independent, but we would love to release it. Which I went, yeah, we'll do it that way then. So, you know, now I've got, you know, a major label behind me, but I get more benefits than if you had, you were strapped down with Warner Brothers, for instance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, it's where, you know, like major labels are cool when you're a kid. You don't make much money, but you get to see the world and travel. And, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, man. It's like, you know, I've been doing all these shows and all these tours. I'm on TV and I'm broke. What up? <laughs> you know, so when you're older you, you it's you stop caring about the actual industry and it really yeah. comes down to you know yeah, bragging rights don't mean as much when you when when you're mature yeah you know i mean it's 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 one of those things i mean you still get people coming out of the woodwork when you start doing bigger things you know but that's that's part of the you know that's just part of it you know and if you're comfortable with who you are then you don't have to you know, then you then you know why certain people are trying to get a hold of you. So, well, that's so that's kind of where you know what I'm doing right now. I mean, like I say, I just started recording. So, well, I and wish you it. luck. I, I mean, you know, it seems like you're doing pretty good. So, uh, I'm I'm really happy for you. And uh, the tis the season. So, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it's a uh, pretty pretty stoked. It's uh, it's weird how you know things come around. You know, especially when you live out here or you've been in it. Cause I have no no 
I had no desire or real intention of getting back into the music industry. I mean, that's not, I, I really, I kind of felt like I, I pretty much did everything I wanted to do. And, you know, there was really, now there was no real reason for me to do it. And, you know, when that last record came out and it was a year and a half and it just turns out that I know, I know the president of Warner Brothers, I know his niece, um, and I didn't know that her uncle was who he was, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. And uh, I gave her a copy of the record just because, you know, she likes Spanish music. So she gave, she did say, she, she, I gave it to my uncle. I'm like, oh, who's your uncle? He's in the music industry. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That was it. Then next thing you know, this guy calls me. I was like, who, who are you? <laughs> it's like that life on the Godfather. What, what did he say? Where is it like, keep trying to get out and they keep pulling me back in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of what happened, you know? So it, it was a long process. It didn't happen overnight. I mean, in a weird sense, it kind of did. But it, it took months and months and months before I signed, actually signed the, the, the deal, you know what I mean? So, um, and in fact, I just got the contract finalized like two weeks ago, you yeah. know what I mean? So, um, so now I'm just, I'm doing a lot of practicing, you know, practicing, you uh, Every day, you know, when you're playing that kind of music, you you have to play every day, man. Otherwise, it's yeah, you got to keep yeah. those fingers limber. Flamenco. Yeah, it's, uh, not, it's 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 weird when you're like playing guitar and you're like doing say even if you're playing like shred guitar, you don't really like once you get to a certain level, you don't really have to practice every day. You know, you just it's what muscle, it is. Yeah, muscle memory. Yeah, I, and for some reason, with with you know, when you're playing a flamenco guitar, you know, or even a classical guitar, it's way more personal than if you're playing an electric guitar that's you know you, you can pick up the guitar and play it with with the flamenco and the spanish guitars and things like that it goes back to kind of what you said with your friend who keeps buying effects pedals right. it's like you know you know we're not using effects with this stuff you know what i mean you know we'll put some reverb on it but essentially you've got that that wood and that you know nylon strings yeah you have and, to kind of finesse them and manipulate them in, in a very uh visceral way yeah and that thing is you make a mistake man if you you hear it. when you're playing with distortion you're you're playing fast you make a little mistake it's, it goes virtually unnoticed you know what i mean but when when you're playing like those those spanish guitars, they're very sensitive instruments you know what i mean so if you yeah. uh, you you know you, you hit a bad note or you pick something a little bit off or you fret something a little bit wrong it's, it lets you know and it lets the person listening know Hey, look, this is a mistake, you know? Yeah. Now, can you still punch in and out, or do you have to go back and start the entire song from the beginning? You know, um, yeah, I can punch in and out. I can, I can do whatever so, I want. And yeah. if you so, do anything when you got Pro Tools, man, it's like, a, you know, but the thing is, is I try, what I try to do is once I get uh, the, the, you know, I, it's a weird thing. Okay, so for instance, what I did is I came up with a percussive beat, right? So I'll play to... I don't always play to a metronome with, with uh, this type of music because it's a different, again, you're getting different flavors and you don't always want to be tick, 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 you know what I mean? Right. I hate so, metronomes myself. Yeah, uh, you know, when you, you live with them, you got to, you know. But uh, <laughs> I put down a percussive beat, which I knew was going to work with an idea that I had, right? So I started, record, I started recording the first song a couple nights ago, and... <laughs> I got about halfway through, but I only have about half the song done, you know what I mean? And I stopped, and I go, well, I know that I'll come up with another part after this, and, and then, I'll, then I'll punch in, because I, I've got, you know, my punch points. Um, but then I decided to change the song altogether, and so I, I just erased everything, but I still had the same beat that works. So, yeah, I, if I do make a mistake, though, um, and I do fret and chord wrong or something like that, I'll just stop, undo, and start again, you know? So I try to get as much down... Um, as and be authentic as authentic as I can with recording because right. you know I don't I don't like to uh, you know I don't like to punch in I'd rather I'd rather yeah just play yeah, the song. yeah no, you want to be completely organic and uh, yeah. and not cheat in any way yeah so that's that's kind of how I do it but if I have to punch in I'll do it you know what I mean I uh, yeah, as long as the end result is you know pleasant to the ears and your audience uh, is is, yeah. is happy listening to it. And they yeah. put, put it on in the car or, or in their earbuds when they're walking the dog. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. When I when I did my ukulele record, uh, Breaking Traditions, I have a few a couple of ukulele records out. <laughs> I did it on a Cork D16, 
Um, you know, one of those uh, desktop recorders. Like, well, I didn't even use, I didn't even use like Pro Tools or anything. And, yeah, um, I like those. And that, that, from what I remember, I don't even think I had the option. I, I, you can punch in, but I, I was with a punching pedal, and I didn't have one. So I just played everything kind of straight through organically on that one, and that record did really well. But when I when I finished it on the, the core D16, I brought it to a real studio in Hollywood and then had it mastered and done right. But um, but yeah, you want to try to do everything is kind of you know I'm from the old school. You know what I mean? I come from yeah. you know two yeah. two inch tape. I kind of you know am I mean? too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember two inch tape. But yeah, you want to just sound as real and 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 as, and as I don't even know the word myself. I say. Uh, yeah. I say organic, but there's probably even a better word than that. Yeah, you know, you just want it to be authentic, and then you do. Um, you want to be able to do. You know, you also want to make sure you you can play this stuff live if you have to, man. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like you know, what happens is you get so many people get so wrapped up in the like I've got this many tracks, unlimited tracks, and I can do this, and I can layer this, and I can layer that, and then it doesn't matter what type of music it is. It gets to the point where you know what you see live isn't what you hear on the record at all. You know. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, it's like I, I can you know, I mean, I could make my cat, I could turn my cat into a, like an opera singer if I wanted to, you know. <laughs> well, you know, there may be a YouTube channel for that, so you might yeah, consider right. like uh, you know, starting production on that early. Yeah, yeah music yeah, for right. cats by Tony Gamble's cat. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I should. I should. I should market that. I should. I should trademark it somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad I gave you the idea. So, uh, anyway, I, I better. Uh, I, I think I got uh, the essence of Tony Gamble here. Anything else? You name the record "The Essence of Tony Gamble." <laughs> I, uh, I like that. It's, it's all good, man. Yeah. And, uh, and volume two, "The Essence of Tony Gamble's Cat." Oh uh, yeah, then, exactly. Then Tony Gamble's <laughs> Cat's greatest hits. You can do the album cover with me in a in a robe with a fake halo or something. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, there right. Uh, I like I'm playing playing Latin music now. I should learn to speak Spanish. You know. So, you lived in yeah. L.A. this long. You should know how to speak a little Spanish anyway. Oh, I'm not to speak a little Spanish. You know, it's like uh, you know, like uh, uh, de carne asada, por favor, mucho chili. You know what I mean? So it's like I know how to order food. Yeah, yeah, I was just gonna say I speak restaurant Spanish because for, yeah. when you when you work in, a, in in restaurants and bars, you know, a lot of the help yeah. is, is Hispanic, and you gotta you know l yeah. at least learn enough to to you know communicate with your coworkers. Yeah, exactly. As that was it was weird. It was like when I signed with Pacific Latin, and I was in their offices. You know, I'm probably the only like American white bread white guy that's on that label i think i don't know, you know? Yeah. yeah here in philly when i encounter encounter uh, anyone from mexico or puerto rico and i speak a little spanish and they're like totally surprised and i i tell yeah. them well i used to live in los angeles so and i worked in a restaurant so and then you ask them if they're mexican they're like no i'm from van nuys yeah right now yeah. usually, usually from um uh puerto rico on, on this coast mo most of the hispanic Speakers are Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. But there is a large Mexican uh, community here, too. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, here, here too. <laughs> you know? See, sí, amigo. That's so, LA. Yeah. I miss, I, you know, I miss all. You know what I miss? Casa Vega, speaking of Hispanics. I, Taquito oh, State Juan. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten too commercialized, I think. And uh, it's, uh, it's not like it was back back in the early days man where you just go in and be dark you could hang out at the bar you could oh see that's what that's you... what the charm was about it the, yeah the, the it's, it's all different now 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 it's a you know it's a long waiting thing you, you know there's a, a lot of i think celebrities that go there that you know change which makes anywhere celebrities go the chasers go you yeah know? well there was then i mean uh marlon brando used to uh, hide out in there and uh the guys yeah. from Guns N' yeah. Roses and, and Al Jarreau used to be in there all the time. Yeah, I mean, but it's, I think, in this, like a sense... Some of my best stories more... are from the chimneys, I mean, from uh, Casa Vega. Huh? I said some of my best stories uh, come from Casa Vega. Which, which ones? 
some of my best stories. Oh, really? Oh, okay. It happened at yeah. Casa Vegas. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. One day I'll get into that, but not to, not right now. This right. this is your time to shine. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I haven't I, again. I haven't been there um, since probably two thousand two three. Um, wow. But yeah, you know, yeah. But it's I don't hang out in Sherman Oaks other than when I go to the bar for a minute. You know. So, where, where are you living uh, now? Uh, I live in Burbank. You know, it's more Burbank's a little late. I live pretty much you know where, where the, the Warner Brothers studios are. You know. Oh right, so, right. It's a great so it's area. Like, I I love it there. It's yeah, it's an awesome area. Man. Like um, it's uh, it's it's and I don't know. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a peaceful area, you know. And I got I got a great spot. And I moved in in 2005. I was only going to live here for like a year, but then I lived in the first place because I've been in three three different units in this building now. And I lived in the first one for five years. Then I moved out. Then I moved back in. I was here for another year. Then I moved out, moved to Texas, came back, and eventually I moved back in here. And I've been back here uh, for a little over five years now again. Hmm. So, are you uh, are you doing any live gigs at the moment? No, uh-uh. no, I don't have I don't have any plans for it right now. No. Not to say that that won't happen. It's just, um, you know, I, uh, you know, again with with the type of music I'm playing, you know. Um, that's well, you, my you, maybe awesome. once this record's in in the can and, and finished, you might support it with a, a t little tour. Uh, who knows? You know, I uh, again, it's like I didn't get back in to start touring, but you know, I'll say never, say never. You know what I mean? It, it could happen, and, and I I don't know if it will or or and that's up to me, which is the beautiful thing about it. It's, you know, not I don't have anyone breathing down my neck booking dates tour dates and all that stuff you know yeah, so nice um it's okay it runs hard on you when you get older especially if you've got an illness too you know you've got to really take care of yourself on the road man believe you me know? i know it's like i like i could still when i play i could play a gig i could do a four-hour party and, and i used to do like a four-hour party the next day i'd have another four-hour party book and now if i do a four-hour party it takes me four days to like be ready to do another party because yeah, yeah. i could still perform like uh, like i as well as i ever did but just not as often like i have to like regroup didn't i see a picture of you doing a show in like the deli aisle of a fucking supermarket? yeah I, i'm still doing that it's yeah it's a shot right like just like playing in the deli of gelson's or or or, or you know or, or what's that's yeah, awesome. uh, but but I'll tell you I'll tell you what it's one of the best gigs I've ever done and and still continue to do. The uh, lady who it's a it's a family owned supermarket, uh -huh. and like in the summertime they they uh, they grill hot dogs out in the parking lot, and it's like two dollars. You get a hot dog, chips, and a drink, and they take all the money they make from the hot dogs and chips and a drink, and they use it to buy. Uh, food and 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 um, supplies for the neighbors that are homeless or shut in. Like she's really a, a very um, giving person, and and, and so every, everybody in the neighborhood shops there because awesome. she, she's always giving back. So she hires live musicians to play on Saturdays from like uh, it used to be twelve to one, no, uh -huh. eleven eleven to one two hours uh, and now it's 11 to three or no no 12 uh, to three 12 to three so three hours and people are always you know when they're, they're in their shop and they walk by and they start dancing or singing along with it. it's it's just a very rewarding gig i love yeah. it and my, did you know my friend dj he knows who you are i don't, I don't know if you remember dj bass player uh, i don't know man. so sometimes Maybe, we play I, yeah. as a duo but anyway yeah so we have a great time that's cool. That's, That's awesome, man. Uh, you know, you yeah, gotta I'm glad find, you're still enjoying it. You yeah, know, you got to so find much. a gig like that out there, and then you'll start playing live again. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just that kind of like, that was specifically things. It was like, I just, with my singer-songwriter stuff, you know, I really just just didn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to do it anymore. It's just that I, I, just, I just didn't want to play live anymore, you know. I just, you know, I was playing the Viper Room and Hollywood and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, it's just... Again, I, I, you know, I got too busy with doing, you know, other things and just, you know, um, not to say I don't enjoy 
sitting here playing and singing, but you know, I just I, I guess you know, I just kind of I, I got lost, I got burned out, man. You know what I mean? It just, right. I, it just got I just got burned out, you know. And I think anyone that can continue and and play and and do that stuff, you know what I mean? I have a lot of respect, but I I uh, you know again, it was just one of those things. I just I don't know. I had to, I had to step away from it for a while, you know. Well, I be, believe me. I, I did burn out. Not not not. You know, I, I bounced back from it, and now that I'm playing again, like I said, I still don't have the stamina to do it all the time. But when I do it, I'm into it. So. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. I think you know you you just have to 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 really love you know love love doing it. You know, I mean, I I got to the point when I, I remember the last. I used to play the NAMM show every every year, you know, and I'd play for various companies, you know, and and the last NAMM show I played was in 2015, and I was already done with it. I I really didn't want to do it, man. I I mean, I left there, and that was the last time I even went to NAMM. I have no desire to, you know, I don't miss it. You know what I mean? I think when you've just been in it so long, you know, you just sometimes you just want to change the channel for a while and try to live a normal life, you know. Because it's a circus, you know. I mean, you're 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 you're, you're in a circus. Yeah, you know? Get me off of this merry-go-round quick. That's that's pretty much it. You know, you ride the same ride for so many years, and you just you know, and 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 you just kind of go, I don't know, man. You know, and um, I don't know. I you know, I just I got to that point where you know, I remember you gotta find you gotta remember where you came from and why you started. You know, and it's you know, because when I started playing guitar, there wasn't. I didn't know that you, I didn't really know what money was, you know, when I started playing guitar. I didn't know what chicks were. I mean, I knew there were girls, but I was, I was eight years old, you know. Yeah, no, I, I was the same was, way. Nobody had to force me to take lessons or, or practice. I just did it because that's all I wanted to yeah. do. Yeah, and then, then when money comes into play, it, the thing is, is what really, you know, triggered it for me was like when I got ripped off a lot of money, man. It was like, um, you know, you start, you start thinking about it and go, well, you've got to do it because you love it. Well, you know, there's that old saying, well, love don't pay the bills, man. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, um, and when, when you feel like you're being taken advantage of and you're yeah, put I, in a position that, that, that you don't want to be in because you know, you know, behind the scenes, you know that you're not getting paid what you're supposed to be getting paid, you know? So, yeah. Well, also it takes a while, uh, to, come to the understanding that it is okay to make money doing what you love. Yeah. You, you don't have to feel yeah. guilty that you're enjoying what you do and still getting paid to do it. You don't have to work in a factory and just play guitar after work in your living room. If that's what you're yeah. born to do, there's no, no guilt whatsoever in making money playing music. Yeah. I mean, that's the, thing if you're if that's what if that's what your your living is you rely on that that's your profession you know then then that's it. i mean I, I was lucky even though i made more money in in music than anything else that i ever done it was uh well you also you know, do it really well tony so um it was yeah i mean i, I guess i had my you know i have a weird thing about that but i i I, uh, yeah, a lot of people thought I was crazy when I stepped away from it. You know what I mean? I literally people in the industry are like, dude, you're crazy. You've got a, like a golden ticket, man. And you're, you're turning everything down. I got to the point where I was turning down everything, you know? And, um, you know, there's still some people that seem to be bitter about it. I'm like, oh, why are you bitter about it? You're still playing. I'm, I'm you know, I, I did what well, I would say if you lose interest or you lose passion and you're not doing it because you love it, then maybe you should stop and find something else. But, um, you know, but I love it again. You know what I mean? I love the direction where I'm at now. I mean, you know, playing Spanish flamenco style music is, you know, that I love, you know, for the most part, I love listening to that type of music. And now, you know, and I, I mean, I studied classical early 80s, you know, in, in England. Right. And I also studied flamenco, true flamenco, at uh, Musonia School of Music in North Hollywood. That was Randy Rhodes' mom's old school. Huh. And... Um, but, but then I also, you know, but I've got a huge background in jazz, jazz fusion. So I, I like that too. So I incorporate all that into what I'm doing now. And it's like, you know, and the, the beautiful thing is, is there's, there's no real pressure, you know what I mean? A little bit, but not, not like there was before, you know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. I was, yeah. it was something I was going to say, but it just like went out of my head. So anyway, 
that's my world, man. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Tony Gamble's world. But yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, flamenco is is beautiful. So um, and and you have like a like you said, you have a renewed passion for it. So so I'm really happy to hear about it. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing this the album that you're working on when it's when it's all done. So I of course I follow your one of my Facebook friends. So I'll I'll know when it, when that is. Okay. But uh, in the meantime, if you go do go into the sweep, just say hi for me to everybody, especially to Millie, yeah, Herman. Oh yeah, I don't see Herman too often these days, but yeah, he's kind of he's off and running. I'm gonna try to get a hold of him though, see if I can't get a little conversation in with the the Herman yeah. Jackson. There you go, the Herman yeah. Jackson. But uh, right okay. now, <laughs> right now it's the Tony Gamble. Oh, yeah, there you go. I'm a legend of my own lunchtime. Yeah. <laughs> here, here today, gone later today. Cool, man. You know, that's, uh, that's awesome. All right, well, I really want to thank you for giving me the time because I know you did say you're busy. It's the holidays. Things are, you know, happening at a fast pace. And uh, yeah. I hope you have, like, a really merry, very merry Christmas and a happy new year. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. My, that's all. That's all revolved around music at the moment. That's that's what I'm all sucked into at the moment. So, hopefully, uh, I, I hope you have a, a happy holidays and all that stuff too. Thanks. And and uh, what was going to say? Uh, stay musical. That's what I was going to say. Stay, stay musical. Uh, yeah, stay classy, San Diego. Oh wait, you're in Pittsburgh. That's good. Yeah. Uh -oh. Stay, stay playing delis in Pittsburgh. No, I like stay classy. <laughs> that's a good one. Stay classy. I will. Stay. Yeah, all good, man. Um. All right, cool, dude. I appreciate it, all right? Yep. Good night. Have a good one. All right, bye.